Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is the fourth message in this series entitled Stand Firm. We've already talked about the fact that the signs that we're living in the last days will be false teaching is everywhere. A spirit of fear will dominate the planet, and the spirit of lawlessness will infiltrate men and women, boys and girls around the world. Today I want to talk to you about the next event that will happen on God's prophetic timeline. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word, or by letter. Verse 3 goes on to say, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And then we jump down to verse 15. Paul then says these words, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Father, this morning we bow in the presence of the mighty God. We acknowledge that you are in this room. We ask that you'd speak into hearts and into lives today. We pray, Father, that you'd bring a sense of urgency to the church of Jesus Christ. Let us shake off the slumber, awake out of our sleep, and recognize the hour and the day in which we live. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. We've talked about this in the previous four messages that Paul is writing this chapter to the church at Thessalonica because a false letter or a false word, a false teaching came to them concerning the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord we know and understand speaks of that time of judgment when God judges planet earth known as the seven year tribulation period. If you want to understand that more and we'll talk about it next week, read all of Revelation. Revelation 1 through 3 is a message to the churches of Asia Minor. 4 and 5 gives us a glimpse of what's happening in heaven. Then beginning in Revelation chapter 6 all the way through 19, we see what unfolds during that seven-year period of time. And may I just pause and tell you that there's a lot of people who can try to convince folks that the church will be raptured, which is our topic this morning, at the midpoint of the tribulation after the first three and a half years. Because somehow they falsely believe that first three and a half years is going to be a time of peace and prosperity. You need to read Revelation 6 one more time. It's a time of horror, of anguish, of death, of famine, of pestilence. It will not be a pleasant time on the planet. And believers will be persecuted as never before. Matter of fact, I believe that many times when people convert to Christ during that period of time, they will be immediately martyred. They won't have an opportunity to live that life out. So don't buy that lie, but understand Jesus has a plan for you and me. We're going to talk about that plan this morning. So Paul is writing to correct that false doctrine and that false teaching. And may I tell you, the same false teaching permeates Christianity today. Some believe that you'll live through the first three and a half, then the rapture. Some believe that Christians leave through the entire tribulation, then they're taken away. 
That is not doctrinal, it's not scriptural. And this morning I'm going to give you the foundation, the biblical foundation for the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, can you imagine? We live in Tallahassee, Florida, one of the most forested cities in the nation. If the wind blows 20 miles an hour, we lose power, right? Very frustrating to me. I believe we ought to clear cut everything and move on with life. We lose power. So, and we know hurricanes, they come through. We know what they do. We lose power. And we know that during those times, we have to have supplies set aside, right? You need water, you need food, you need the necessities. But we're not trying to do it for three and a half years or seven years, but a week or 10 days. Can you imagine trying to put enough supplies aside so that you can survive famine and pestilence for three and a half years or seven years? Then you reconcile that with the grace and the mercy of God and tell me how that fits biblically. It just doesn't, folks. And that's what I'm going to show you this morning through the Word. We're talking about the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. So what does the Scripture say about the rapture? I believe there are great examples in the Old Testament. And may I tell you that the Old Testament is set out before us as a pattern, as a foreshadow of the New Covenant and the New Testament. And anyone, someone tell, anytime someone tells me, I don't read the Old Testament because we don't live under that covenant. We live under a new covenant. I want to say, you fool. Because it is the inspired word of the living God that shows you God's plan from the beginning of planet Earth all the way to what God is going to do in Revelation. We need to understand the entire word is inspired, not just the New Testament. The entire word is infallible, not just the New Testament. And when we study and read the Old Testament, we have a greater understanding of the new covenant. Without it, we can't have that understanding. So there are examples that we can look at in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, the Bible says, And Enoch walked with God faithfully and was no more because God took him. Do you understand what this says? It says one moment he's here, the next moment he's in heaven. One moment he's going about life serving God, the next moment he's in the throne room. Can I tell you that is a picture of what's going to happen with the church of Jesus Christ. One moment we're here and the next moment we're in the throne room. That ought to excite somebody. That ought to make you happy. Oh, listen to me. I, I see a few Florida State shirts this morning. and I'm not rubbing salt in the wound. But I'm telling you, if you want to cheer for a victor, cheer for Jesus Christ. He will never fail you and he will never lose. Your football team is going to fail. They're going to lose. But I know one who never does and his name is Jesus. Put your hope and your faith and your trust in Build your life on the rock, not upon the sinking sand of man's foolish traditions and games. People are depressed because they're zero and four. So what? I am not depressed. I am encouraged because my God is 100 million, trillion, billion to zero. He's never lost. Put your hope on Christ. At Genesis chapter 6, it's a story of Noah. The Bible says that there was nothing but wickedness across all the land, and God regretted that he had made mankind. But verse 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You need to underline that, that text in your scripture. You need to understand what that means, that in times of judgment, God made a way of escape for Noah and his family. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
Can you say today, I found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I've been spared so many things because his grace covers me. His grace is in me and over me. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 18 says, but I will establish my covenant with you. You'll go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. Noah found grace. God prepared a way of escape, a sanctuary for Noah and his family because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Then you can read it in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. It talks about the prophet Elisha and how he had called Elijah to be his protege, to replace him. And it says in those verses of Scripture, uh, 2 Kings 11, 12 and, or 2, 11 and 12, then it happened as they continued on and talked. Then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. Get the picture? He was there, then he was gone. The difference is in this passage, someone actually witnessed his going into heaven in that whirlwind. Another picture of what Jesus will do for the church of Jesus Christ through that event we know as the rapture. So what did Jesus say about the rapture of the church? John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he said these words, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Let me pause. Normal is not coming back. Jesus is coming back. Oh, somebody, you need to get that. You need to quit longing for yesterday and start looking forward to the hope and the promise of your faith. Jesus is coming back. He said, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Matthew 24, what did Jesus say about the rapture? Matthew 24, verse 36, but of that day and of that hour, no one knows. Not even angels in heaven, but my Father only. Verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Look at verse 40 of Matthew 24. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Those were the words of Jesus Christ. And how did he end that passage? With a command to watch, to be ready, to be alert, to be awake to be anticipating, to have an urgency, an expectancy deep within your heart that at any moment the trumpet could sound and the dead in Christ should rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air. Oh, we need to understand that's what has to be driven into our spirit. So what Paul say about the rapture? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52 he said these words, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, 
or die is what that means. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. What does that mean? It means we're going to shed this failure-prone, sickness-prone, weak, fleshly body. And in just a moment of time, we're going to be in the presence of God with a new heavenly body. We won't know sickness. We won't know pain. We won't know suffering. We won't know sorrow. Because the Lord himself, the scripture says, shall wipe away the tears from your very eyes. We need to understand that's the hope of the believer. Paul also wrote about this in the first letter to the Thessalonians. When he said in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who've fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Pardon me. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, it's talking about you and me, provided we haven't went by way of the grave, we'll go by way of the rapture. Then we, and do you notice... That when Paul's writing this in the first century, he is saying as though it's going to happen in his lifetime. That's the expectancy, the urgency, the anticipation that every born-again spiritual believer should have within themselves that I'm not going to go by way of the grave, I'm going by way of the rapture. The first church I pastored in southern Kansas, a little town called Arkansas City, got there was about 20 people in that church. Wasn't long before I learned that years before, in the 50s and early 60s, a large group was a much larger church at that time. A large group had went out to the city cemetery, and they bought a lot lots in the southeast corner of that cemetery so they could all be buried together. All of them would be facing to the east because they said, we want to all come up together when Jesus blows the trumpet. Oh, come on, folks, that anticipation of his return. He goes on to say, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Let me speak to you about verse 18 for just a moment. The thought of the rapture of the church should not bring fear to a born-again believer. It should bring reassurance. It should bring comfort. It should bring hope. It should bring peace. But to the unbeliever, the thought of being left behind should scare you to death. It should have you shaken in your socks right now. You should recognize that I don't want to miss that event. I don't want to miss the rapture. I don't want to be left behind because the next seven years on planet Earth are going to be so horrific the Earth has never seen anything like it. It's time for individuals to stop playing church and be the church. 
It's time to stop talking about how much you read the word and how you worship God. Get in the word and more importantly, let the word get in you and let your worship bring a sacrifice which allows you to see how God has done for you. Worship without cost isn't worship. Worship requires cost because Christ is worthy of your worship. We need to understand the rapture should bring great comfort to the believer and it should bring great apprehension to the unbeliever. See, too far and too often we have forgotten these eternal truths that deal with God's prophetic timeline and we're so centered on living today, getting by in this life, that we forget this life isn't what Christianity is about. Heaven is what Christianity is about. Eternity is what Christianity is about. We forget we're strangers, we're pilgrims, we're foreigners simply passing through. No, we build houses where God wants us to build a tent. Oh yeah. We build our life on the here and now and we forget all about eternity. Is it any wonder so many Christians are confused? Is it any wonder so many churches are weak and apathetic? Is it any wonder we so easily turn away from faith when trouble hits? Because we're not building on the right foundation. Listen, God didn't call you to build houses and mansions on the planet. He called you to put up a tent and live in the tent because you're just passing through. Remember that analogy. Remember what God has called you to and for. So the Apostle Paul had great things to say about the rapture as well. And the rapture is very different from the second coming of Jesus Christ. They're not interchangeable. The rapture, as we have just read from the Scripture, is when Jesus returns in the air, His feet don't touch the planet, in the air, and the dead in Christ rise, then those which are alive and remain, speaking of believers, are caught up together with them in the air, and so they will ever be with the Lord. That's the rapture. When's it going to happen? Jesus said, nobody knows but the Father. So you should watch. Remember, we read it in Matthew chapter 24. You should watch. You should be alert. You should be ready. You should be prayed up. You should be on fire for God. You should be full of the Holy Ghost. So you can stand in that evil day and see what God is going to do in hearts and lives. The rapture is when the Father, through His Son, takes us out of this life and gives us the promise of eternity. The second coming is when Jesus returns to the planet, sets His feet on the Mount of Olives. He brings with them an army of believers and angels. No, folks, I want to be in that army. I want to be right at the front. I want to be right next to him. Don't know that I'll get that, but that's where I want to be. I want to be there when Satan and his henchmen are defeated once for all. When Jesus Christ takes authority over the planet. When he rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a period of a thousand years. Oh, somebody, it's time to understand what the Bible says about our future and the future of our planet. You can read it in Zechariah 14, 4. He's coming to defeat Satan in the second coming. The Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast. And establish his thousand-year kingdom where he rules over earth from Jerusalem. It's a period 
that the church is saved from via the rapture that God brings. Why do I believe that? Well, because the scripture tells me it's that way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. We are to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, listen to this last phrase, who delivers us from the wrath to come. What is the wrath to come? It's the tribulation period. Who delivers us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. <clears throat> for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain, obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, I want you that to sink into your heart. Too many people believe that we're going to go through all these horrific things in the tribulation. I've come to tell you that's not so. He didn't save you to torture and persecute you. He saved you to redeem you and rescue you. Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept my word, <clears throat> because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial speaking of the tribulation period, which should come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. <clears throat> Jesus makes it clear. The Word of God makes it clear. The next event on God's timeline is the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. And only those who are prepared, ready, will be received by Him. How are we prepared? How do we get ready? How do we know that we are a part of those individuals? We're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. His Spirit dwells within us. We are filled with His Holy Ghost. We live in relationship with Him. Let me remind you, I've said it a thousand times in the last almost eight years. Coming to church doesn't mean you have an invitation to heaven. Being a member of a church doesn't mean you're going to make it in. It requires the blood of Jesus Christ washing away your sins, being sealed by the Spirit of promise, who is the Holy Spirit, and being filled with that same Spirit. You can have your name on 150 church rolls, and it doesn't mean a stinking thing. So that's thinking you need to overcome. And you must recognize it's not what I do, it's what He has done that gives me that invitation, that writes my name. In the Lamb's book of life. How do we know who's in and who's out? We'll read the scripture. It's real clear. Paul wrote it this way in Galatians chapter 5 beginning in verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit. And you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of flesh are evident, which are, are you ready? This is what excludes you. The works of flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Those who practice such things, okay, this isn't my opinion, this is the word. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can it be any clearer? 
It's what allows you to be a part of the kingdom of God. First, being born again by Jesus Christ, washed in his blood, being full of his Holy Spirit, living for him each and every day, and then displaying the fruits of righteousness, which are, Galatians 5, 22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. You know what Paul's saying? There's no law about against being a righteous person. But the law can't make you a righteous person. You need to know that distinction. We can pass all kinds of laws that have to do with morality and human behavior. But until humans subject themselves to the authority of Jesus Christ, repent of their sin, and turn from their wicked ways, there will be a constant violation of the laws that are passed. The law will not save you, only Jesus will. And when he does, then he makes you righteous, even by the law. And then he goes on to say, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. That's how we know that we'll be a part of that great next event called the rapture, of the church of Jesus Christ. Tom, will you come back, please? I've got a lot more in the notes this morning that are going to begin dealing with the tribulation period. I'm going to touch on it. We're going to flesh it out next week. Two events that will happen prior to the tribulation, according to Paul in this passage, are number one, there will be a great falling away. That's speaking about people who once were a part of the kingdom, once were a part of the church, but have turned their back and walked away. Paul illustrated that for us when he says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. See, there's a lot of folks that are in love with the idea of going to heaven, but they're not in love with the idea of living for Jesus. They're in love with the idea of uh, hope and health and promise and peace and eternity with God, but they're not in love with the idea of living a righteous life and honoring Jesus Christ. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have one without the other. My friend, this is a morning of introspection. This is a morning of searching your soul. This is a morning to determine, am I ready? Am I ready? Don't be a part of that great falling away. Don't be a part of that great apostasy. Departure from the truth is what that literally means in the Greek. Paul told Timothy in the last days, men will have itching ears. They won't endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside into fables. It's happening right now. It's happening across the planet. It's happening even as I speak. It's happened to people who once were a part of this church. There is nothing that grieves my heart as a pastor anymore that they see someone who once walked in, walked in light and truth and revelation get something crossways in their crawl and they decide they have a revelation that is greater than the Word of God and then they begin trying to teach it and pass it on. Listen to me, my friend. False teachers who add to or take away from the book of life will face certain judgment. It's time for you to stop putting yourself as some great authority when you don't even know get from Sikkim. 
and allow the Word of God to speak for itself. I pray for these people every day. God, bring them back. Turn their heart around. Recall them. Reclaim them. Don't let them perish in their foolishness. But bring them back to the Word of God. Nothing grieves me more. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, But this know that the last days are perilous times. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, heady, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. What does that mean? It means they love the idea of religion, but they hate the idea of God's transforming power. They hate the idea of God's authority over their lives. They hate the idea of submitting themselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. May I tell you the only way you ever live and walk in God's power is through submission. It's through submission. God resists the proud, but He always gives grace to the humble. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. We are living in that time of the great falling away. The rapture is not just on the horizon. It could occur at any moment. At any moment. And the most important thing you need to ask yourself this morning is, am I ready? Am I blood washed? Am I spirit filled? Am I living for Jesus? If not, today is the day to get ready. And I'm talking to many, whether you're joining us online or in the room this morning, whether you're watching the days, the months, and the weeks ahead, I'm talking to many who need to stop playing church and start being the church. Stop believing every fanciful lie that turns your ears away from God and lock in to the word of truth. Because if you don't, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed across this room. You're in this place this morning. You say, more than anything, I want to know that I'm ready. I'm not certain. There's some questions in my life. Listen, if you're not certain, you need to get ready. I know that I know that I know that I know. If the trumpet sounds before I take the next breath, I'll be gone. Here one moment, never see me again. I know that. If you don't know that, today is your opportunity to know that. How do we do it? By repenting. And then by exercising and displaying the fruits of repentance which lead us to the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our life. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Holy Spirit's talking to you. You're being convicted right now. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He's telling you it's time to get ready. Time to stop playing games. That's you across this room. Stand right where you're at. I want to be sure I'm ready. Stand right where you're at. I want to be sure I'm ready. Stand right where you're at. Others, stand right where you're at. I want to be sure. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I am ready. Stand right where you're at. 
Father, I pray for these individuals who are standing to their feet with strength and courage. Who are saying, I want to remove all doubt from my heart and my mind. I want to know that I know that I am ready to be received by you. I pray that now that you fill them with a peace, a joy, your presence that brings assurance as we repent and turn toward you. As we determine to remove from our lives those things which should not be there so that we can honor you every single day. Change their speech. Change their habits. Change their lifestyles. To the degree and to the point that in a month, those who know them best will say, what in the world happened to you? You're not the same person. Let that hope and that peace fill their hearts and fill their lives. I take authority over that spirit of chaos that has dominated them. The spirit of dissension that has filled their heart and mind. And I break that off of them today. In the mighty name of Jesus. Stand with me across this room this morning. We're going to spend a few minutes just worshiping the King. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.